You are listening to episode 176 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I am joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and it's not God of War 64 in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this was definitely an interesting week. We played the uh, great value of Mortal Kombat's War Gods. <laughs> um, it's also by Midway, so we'll get into a little deeper uh, in the episode towards the end here. Uh, dude, I was surprised. Yeah, it was um, It was different yet the same. Yeah, very similar to what we've played in the past. So, uh, as always, man, it's been two weeks since we actually recorded together because I was out of town um, doing some stuff back home. So... Uh, getting back in the grind here, let's start with our recent pickups, Ryan. I'll, of course, kick it off because I had some interesting stuff that's never really noted on here, but um, I haven't picked up a PS4 game in some time, so I got Divinity Original Sin. Interested in playing that one. Uh, I got some plane chase cards out of Justin's glove box. So these are all from random locations. Uh, Divinity of Sin was in a a tote sitting in the bottom of like my brother's stuff, and I was like, screw it, he's never going to play it, so I took it. Uh, yeah, plane chase cards in there. I've got you reclaimed some... it. You gave it second life. I did. I did. I reclaimed it. The plane chase cards were literally in a glove compartment box. We were trying to get his radio fixed. There's like apparently in Honda Accords, there's like this code that you got to put in for older Accords, uh, or else your radio gets locked out like some theft protection deal. Yeah. And of course, he doesn't know his code because, well, it's Justin. He never knows anything yeah. like that. So I'm digging through his stuff. I'm like, oh, plane chase cards. I'm like, Yoink. Yeah, and he's looking at me. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, yep. And I put him in my bag. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, stealing them. Don't you remember? <laughs> you sold me all of your cards. That means your future cards, too. <laughs> that's pretty much how I That's how I positioned it. I'm like, I bought all of your cards. These this are some included. of those cards. I'm like, you sold me the plane chase dice, but did not give me plane chase cards. So I'm pretty sure I get the plane chase cards, too. There it's like, touche. So got that. And then uh, my old Lego bricks. I had... Three gallon size bags of Lego bricks sitting in my house. I'm sure I got more in my attic somewhere uh, down there. So whenever I get back into town, I'll, I'll grab those as well. And I guess, let's see, I picked up some bottles of wine. I've brought back some cinnamon buns. Um, very good cinnamon buns. Yeah, very good cinnamon. Oh, delicious stuff. So yeah, it was uh, it was quite the trip. Nice. So yeah, all good stuff. And as far as playing, uh, we played a little Apex Legends. So Justin has his computer. And so he was playing on the computer. I was logging in on my account on his PS4. And we were just playing some Apex. And, dude, it's so much fun when you can play a game like that in the same room and not yeah. have a mic and just communicate. Uh, it was just a blast. Classic LAN parties. Dude, it was basically a classic LAN party. Like, if my brother was there and brought his laptop, we could have all three been playing on a team next to each other. But I got to play uh, Mad Maggie, who's a new character. Um, so she's, like, really good with shotguns. Uh, that was pretty fun. But I found a new love for Bangalore in the game and so i was just playing bangalore the whole time and i never really clicked too much with bangalore like the smokes are good but i just never was able to take super good advantage of her dude i was actually balling out pretty good um so we had a lot of good matches justin started playing lifelines he's pretty good with lifeline as well so he was using lifeline and sniping of her and you know going around healing he had some really clutch heals dude there was one where the ring was closing in in arenas and he went he went ahead and like revived me i came through shot the guy up a few times but he had the golden backpack and he went ahead and revived our uh, our person that was on our team as well and so i'm guessing his team was like what the heck's going on like there was just one of them left he killed me because i had like minimal shield when i came out um and then this other guy comes through and finishes him off 
Like it was the best like clutch revive ever seen. Justin, of course, died at the last second as well. Yeah. So it was good stuff. We had a good time with that. You know, uh, I wanted to ask, have um have you given any consideration or maybe you guys talked about it, I don't know if you saw, but like the whole Fortnite without building mode that they came out with? No. So they're doing like this whole season that they're doing now and I guess moving forward they will have a no build mode. So it'll be straight up more like PUBG. I don't know if it's going to be teams or if it's all just like Battle Royale free-for-all, but it's, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to see that part of Fortnite. It's such a popular game, but the building is always what scared me away from it because I was like, I can't do both of those things. Well, you know, for me, I'm not going to jump into it because I think the fan base of it is a little younger than what I prefer to play with. Mm. So, um, you know, I know there are adults that play Fortnite and they enjoy it. I'm just not interested in listening to 12 year olds all day. Yeah. Like I just don't want to play that. Like I already have enough on apex and it's not too much, but there's already enough on apex <laughs> to, to steer me away from talking on a mic sometimes. Uh, yeah. Fortnite is just, it's basically like Minecraft. Minecraft's the same deal. Like I don't want to sit back and play Minecraft cause half it's 12 year olds. All right. I'm just not interested. So, uh, no, I'm not going to even touch that. Even if it's a no build mode, the build mode is dumb. I, I hate the build mode. Just seeing videos. It drives me absolutely insane. And then to go into like the no build mode, it's like, okay, all you're doing is the same thing that other battle Royale games have done. Mm -hmm. So like, why would I jump ship to go play Fortnite when I'm already established Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) I don't know if you could still be Spider-Man. That's the thing that like spooks me away from some of these online games. Like I was even yesterday watching a bunch of videos on destiny two and uh, skill ups, like whole history with that game. And you know, some of these games that are out now with like the seasonal models, like if you weren't in at the time where you could have gotten something cool and then you see people in the game that have that cool thing and it's just never something you're going to be able to obtain. Like, I understand that that's like the FOMO that they're feeding into to get you in, but that really pushes me away from wanting to invest later on, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I get you. And uh, so one other game we played by way was uh, Splitgate. Have you heard of that one yet? Yeah, that was the Portal... Halo yep. cross-up game it, that was supposed to be really sick. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I played a little bit of it, and our first match, I mean, we were playing, of course, with noobs in our first match, but, I mean, Justin had, like, 19 kills, and I had 22 kills in our first match. Dang. Um, which you was, guys portal shot those guys to hell. Uh, so, the portal shot was interesting. So, uh, I was playing uh, uh, Sniper Shotties was a round I played in Deathmatch. Uh, which is pretty cool. This, the grenades are kind of dumb because the grenades really just kind of destroy enemy portals. They don't do anything in regard to uh, um, like hitting the enemies as far as I could tell. But in the sniper shotties, it was fun. So I hit one portal on like the very top of this building and I put one next to me and I sniped the guy from a distance like right off the bat. Cool. It was my first kill. I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet. But I noticed that a lot of people weren't necessarily using the portals. It was more so um, just running around doing like team deathmatch is all yeah. it was. And so the one thing I noticed is like it's super clunky. Uh, to me, like it just it, Halo feels kind of like seamless, like yeah, you know, it's just fluid as you're playing. And this felt very clunky as I was walking. Well, you're around. adding a whole other system on top of yeah, but it was just even the movement aspect. Well, the movement I guess was just super clunky. Yeah, I mean, three four three has done you know a really good job of nailing that Halo feel. So it's like I I don't play. I played like what a handful of games of Halo Infinite, and then I basically never went back to it. But like, yeah. I mean, it still felt terrific when yeah. I was playing it. And that's, and that's what everybody says. And that's the thing. It didn't feel terrific to me. And so I'm talking to my brother about it. He's like, oh, it's because you were, 
you were playing on PS4 and I'm playing on PC. That's why it didn't feel like clunky to me. I'm like, no, it just feels clunky. I'm like, I can yeah. tell when a game feels clunky. And so that's that's one thing I noticed. The the sound aspects, like you could hear footsteps from a mile away. So I was in this tower and I just hear footsteps coming. I'm like, okay. Perched myself with a shotgun at the entrance of this door. Somebody comes in, shotgun one kill, shotgun one kill. Shotgun. Yeah. I had a seven kill streak going in my first match. And Justin's just like riling on the bed laughing mm -hmm. because he's just seeing me like shoddy these guys that are walking in and out. It's like a pile of bodies starting to form like in front of us. It was it was brutal how, how bad it was. But I completely owned that particular um, round. It was like 50 kills was the, you know, the target. And I had 22 and I died eight times. Dang. Like it was ridiculous. So I had the least amount of deaths and everything. That's I had good the most for like... I, I remember when I did like my first or second match of Halo Infinite, like I got like a triple kill and I was like, I'm not that good at this game. This yeah. is just coincidence and, and other people that suck at this just being in a row. It, it had to have been that for me too. I was like, there's no way. So my brother was like, oh yeah, it gets harder as like things, you know, progress. I'm like, I get it. I want to see high level up, play where people are like really using the portals to like just own everybody. Yeah. See, have you see portal speed runs before? Uh, I have in the past. Yeah. Where people just don't even move. They just stand in one place and just turn and just shoot portals and just drop through the level over and over in seconds. Yeah. It's crazy. No, it's it was interesting. I mean, it like I said, it was clunky. It didn't feel like the type of game I would like continue to play. Um, you mm. know, I liked it to an extent, but at the same time... Is like, it still early release? I think so. I think it's season one. So it might be one of those things that like maybe I pick it up on like a season four or five type of deal. We jumped into Apex at like season seven something or like season that, yeah. six or something like that. It yeah. had already been out for a couple of years. And that's kind of where I see it with this is like, if I want to jump into split gate, I'm going to wait a while. Cause mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, by then it might not split gate too. Maybe it doesn't have enough support and it's gone too. I mean, mm. that's the thing. Like, do you support a game, continue to play it? But I have no intention of putting money into it. So yeah. it's not going to matter anyways, if I yeah. play it now or play it later. Cause me as an individual, I'm not going to put money towards it. Um, so yeah. Interestingly enough, that's what I played this week. How about yourself? So I had pickup this week. I am tired of changing out the batteries on my Xbox controller. I mean, since I got Elden Ring, I think I've changed the batteries like three or four times. So I finally got like a rechargeable battery from GameStop. How is Microsoft not like gotten to the point of Sony where they just have a lithium battery that you can charge. Well, see, I kind of like the fact that I don't have to get my cable out and like, cause like with my PS4 controller, like I have to charge it off of a, um, portable charger. Cause I don't have like a plug, you know, right next to my couch that I can just plug it into. And I don't have a giant 10 foot long cable that I can plug into the PS4 it's tripping everybody in front of me. I like the fact that you can, you know, out of the box, just throw batteries in the controller and go like, that's, that's a big advantage. I think that, you know, you can always go out. It's cost me 20 bucks to go buy the playing charge kit, which I think works better for me. Cause it's got, it comes with like, just like a little dock. You just drop it on to charge. Yeah. And that's way better than having to plug the PS five controller in. I mean, you see my setup. I have two controllers. I put one in there, and it yeah. charges while I'm playing with the other, and I swap it out. And well, I only have one controller, too. Oh, that's true. Okay. So um, I got that. I was frustrated that it was only in black, though. Like, I wish that it was in white so that it matched the rest of the controller. And then I was thinking about, like, ordering a custom Xbox controller a little while ago, but I'm kind of waiting for them to come out with their next, like, innovation to combat the DualSense. Mm -hmm. um, so... We'll see about that anyways down the road. Uh, and then I also I picked up Tunic. 
on Game Pass. I've been excited for this game for a while. It's the one with like the cute little fox and it's like very diorama looking. Oh, that one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it is Elden Ring. I took a break from Elden Ring to play a different Elden Ring. <laughs> really? It's that closely related, you feel? So, I mean, just in the sense that it's like, it's this kind of open world that you can kind of just, you know, go through at your own pace, kind of do in somewhat of a nondescript order. It's very archaic in the way that it doesn't give you like any information like a classic Zelda, but the most amazing thing about this game, John, and you'll love this, and I think that this is something that is, I can't wait to see this take off, hopefully, and be incorporated into more games, maybe by this studio or another studio. Uh, in the world, you find these pages of an instruction manual, and then your menu and your map and all the like tips and hints and stuff is in this digital instruction manual that you collect one page at a time and they're front and back they've got gorgeous little artwork it looks just like your old school like game boy you know nes manuals it's so incredible and it's most of it is in this like fake language so that it's not like super explicit none of the dialogue in the game is in any kind of legible language like i don't know if there is a real translation for it or not but um as you collect these pages and explore the world, it's very uh, obtuse how you go about things. And there's um, kind of a Captain Toad element to the like diorama-ness of this world where, you know, if you go around a corner, you can see kind of like a shadowy silhouette of yourself. Yeah. And most of the time, if there's a spot to go around a corner, you can kind of follow that to a little treasure chest or a back way to a thing. There's so many times in this game where like in dark souls, you'll come around a corner and open a gate and you'll be back in an area and be like, Oh snap. But in this one, like you might not even have to go around to open a door from a specific side. You'll just be in an area kind of go around a corner and be like, no way I could have gone around that corner Like that could have been the first thing that I did was go around that corner and go to this other area instead first. It's, it's really weird. So I was just looking it up and apparently it's a timed exclusive on Microsoft. So I'm going to get it whenever it comes out on another console. The, uh, the combat is hard. People are going to compare it to dark souls. Really? Uh, just because it's, it's not very forgiving. It has like a potion system where you get like, so many potions that heal you so much and you get the ability to, you know, increase how much that heals you. If you die, you leave behind a little ghost and some money. Mm-hmm. Not all of your money. But some of your money. Some of your money. And when you reclaim the ghost, it actually is like a little explosion mm-hmm. that like would damage enemies because likely you died in a spot where there were enemies. Yeah. So it sense. gives you a chance to run in, get your money and explode the enemies around you. Um the menu system is live. Mm-hmm. So like when you go into your menu to change your equipment or whatever, everything's still happening. So yeah, I find it very hard in battle to switch up between different items. And you've got like a magic resource and a number of different tools that use that magic resource. It's, it's a lot. It's really fun. Um, I'm like... 
I beat all three of the bosses, and now I'm kind of in like the mid-game kind of thing. It's it does the Zelda thing where there's like a light world and a dark world yeah. kind of. Um, there's some really creepy imagery in this, hmm. and some very cute imagery in this. It, it, all in all, it's a really wonderful game, and I've had a real good time with it. But it does not feel like a break from Elden Ring. It just it feels like more Elden Ring. Gotcha. Well, I uh, I'm definitely gonna pick it up at some point. Definitely stoked to to see it myself. And you know, so I gotta go to your house at some point. So maybe we can play that. At yeah. Some point. It'd be fun. And I, I just want to see Elden Ring too. Oh, well, God, you know, if uh, if you got Game Pass for PC, it might be on there. Probably is, but I don't have Game Pass on PC yet. Because guess what? John doesn't have a GPU. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, nope. That's been my week. Last two weeks. Yeah, I need um, I need to go back to Elden Ring before I kind of lose my momentum with it. But the yeah. thing is, like, I'm like almost 110 hours in. I'm like level 94 or something, and I just am like, there's so many more things that I know that I still have to do. Like Molina, the statue that you unboxed. It's like, I haven't even gotten to her. And I know that like the great runes that you get, I've got like three and I definitely see in a menu bar where people have like six or seven. And those are like, you get from the major bosses. So it's like, I'm already a hundred hours in, in level 94. And you're telling me that I still have like tons of major bosses that I need to fight. Like I know there's a big giant chunk of the map that I still haven't even unlocked. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. Well, uh, the good news that I've heard is that uh, PS5 consoles apparently are selling out at a slower rate than what they were before. So, nice. for example, uh, Walmart had a, a restock the other day and it was up for like an hour before it sold out. And like wow. the Series X was up for like a week. So I heard about the Series X. I'm hoping that I can get my hands on a PS5 here pretty soon, given that it seems like things are slowing down a bit and consoles become a little bit more you know, plentiful. So... If I can get one here pretty soon, I'll hopefully play some Elden Ring. We did the unboxing today. It's a pretty sweet collector's edition that's out there. So if you haven't picked up Elden Ring and a collector's edition is around, it's definitely some great content between uh, the art book, the uh, steel bookcase, and then the statue itself is pretty sick. Yeah. It's a good piece. I definitely like Even the boxes that everything comes in are really nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all good stuff. I kind of wish in a sense that they would like you know, put in cheaper types of boxes to hold it in. Um, like that, that box with statue is like, it's a sick display for sure. Like it's a great looking display, but like if they would have like cut down the cost on that and then put it into some other goodies in there, that would have been pretty cool as well. I feel. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then also I didn't add this in, but I'll be continuing Ocarina time this week. So we'll see how that goes. I'll be playing that at night and hopefully, uh, Hopefully I can get some some progress in there because I got to play Majora's Mask as well, and we are in going on April. So I'm gonna know. Still shoes. no play date. Come on, play date. Oh yeah, that's right. You're still waiting on that, dude. I still look like every week, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I looked at, again recently, so the release for that is early 2022. April is still early, I guess. It's still in the first half. Um. But I'm in phase two or round two or whatever. I'm in number two. Yeah. And they go by like increments of 10,000. But their first order of 20,000 
is going to ship early 2022. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not in the very first, but I'm in the second, but that's still included in the first 20,000. So I'm hoping maybe next month. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you'll have to bring it over and I'll have to play it. We'll do an inflation deflation on it. See if I, Ryan, that's what I told him. I told them on, on Twitter. I was like, can't wait to inflation deflation this thing. See if uh, Ryan lost his money. <laughs> Dude, I've been looking. There's some really cool stuff. If you just go on like Twitter and just look at what other people are like making. Yeah. Because it's like the the way to make games is already online. Like you can already go online and start making games for free now. So I definitely want to get into that. But I, I can't bring myself to learn how to figure out how to make games right now. And definitely not before I actually have the thing in my hand and can play other people's stuff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, uh, digging into the rest of the episode here, uh, before we start, you can find us on the game a website that we need to update. Uh, you can find us on social media at game on Twitter at the game on Instagram and Facebook. Of course, the podcast application you're listening to now, as well as all those other great podcast applications out there and leave us a five-star review. I need to come up with like a, a website. We need to update a Twitter handle, not using the, <laughs> <laughs> although I use it all the time. Uh, so this week we'll be digging into a few things, uh, one of which is Nintendo has made a request to take down scans from the 1996 Super Mario 64 strategy guide from an internet archive. Uh, Sony is going to be unveiling their PlayStation subscription soon, uh, potentially next week. And then uh, Gran Turismo 7, there's an update from uh, the... Polyphony. Yeah, Polyphony. I always mess up that name. Polyphony Digital on that. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And then, of course, War Gods will be at the end of the episode. We'll discuss that as well. So... Starting this one out, uh, my eyesight is terrible with these glasses. This is by Sicker at My Nintendo News. Um, this is super unfortunate. So if you go online, uh, check this article, check any of the articles, you can still see some images that were posted out there. Um, I know that the guy went on his Twitter and reposted a different link for it. And there are some people that have some torrents going for this. But basically, it's just super high-quality scans of the 96 Mario 64 strategy guide. It's got these adorable little diorama maps of the levels in them. It's just super nostalgic and amazing and something that should definitely be out there for people to see. And Nintendo says no. Well, and the crazy thing is that they sell on eBay for hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So this guy had in like this... I don't know. I don't remember the name of the guy, but he had it on an internet archive with no sort of money coming through to him. There's no ads, nothing. The guy just put up high quality scans and his argument here, and he would love to face Nintendo's legal team on this, but he doesn't have the finances. Yeah. Said. Who does? Yeah, exactly. So his argument was, why does this hurt Nintendo? It's not it even officially a Nintendo product. It's not an official Nintendo product. It sells for the only thing it's hurting is the people that are selling it for hundreds of dollars online, and right probably now. not even hurting them. Yeah, it really because they because like there's more. only so many. It's yeah. not like a market where everybody who could buy one could buy one, even if they could afford to do it. There's yeah. just not enough out there. And like I get Nintendo like protecting their IP and everything, but like really like it's not like the guy's not making any money. Yeah, and you're not going to get rid of it off the internet. Like once it's on the internet, it's on, it's the, on internet. the internet. It's not scrubbed forever, so people are gonna get their hands on it. And a guy's not making anything on it. Yeah. So why not let people have access to this? You know, or if you're Nintendo, then release a free PDF on your website, then do something to support the consumers rather yeah. than just say, 
or we're going to take this off and because you're, you know, obstructing our IP. Okay, and put on your own because you're not using it right now. See, this would be the thing that like, I think that this would be such a cool way to make like the online service worthwhile. Like, I think people have said that you can look at some of the manuals and stuff for the games in like the, you know, emulator that they have for N64 and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's a thing. But to have access to these as a part of that service, that would be super incredible. That would be something that, you know, you wouldn't really have access to through any other way. And it wouldn't eat into anything that Nintendo does now. Like right now they're giving away these games that they know that they could probably sell some of them and, you know, just putting other ones out there to appease people so that they could buff that library out. But putting stuff like this out there that you can't just get yeah. that's super cool and nostalgic and like that would really sell the service. Like that's way cooler than like a Animal Crossing expansion that not everybody has. Well, I almost everybody that has a Switch probably has Animal Crossing, but like, you know, not yeah, everybody's going to use that. Yeah, I get it. I think that would be a difference maker as well, having cool nostalgic pieces like this on there for people to see. And it seems like a Nintendo thing. Like, that's yeah. a fun, cool, historic, awesome thing, but I guess... Having, like, the Nintendo Nintendo Online Museum where it's just, like, everything and anything Nintendo. Like, yeah. that would be badass. Like, I'd be down to, like, explore that digitally. So, yeah. I mean, who's to say Nintendo doesn't take this and do something with it, you know? They, they could, and maybe that's now that it's been removed offline, they're, okay, well, we'll do something with it. Maybe you know, they're going to make a Mario game that looks exactly like real-life 3D diorama oh stuff. God, that'd be so awesome. That'd be so cool. Like the Yoshi <laughs> games, but mm-hmm. Mario this time. But Mario this time. Or like the Mario game that came out before it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so many Mario games. All right, there's not much on that one, but the, uh, the guide was put up online on like March 16th, and Nintendo removed it like almost instantly yeah (laughs) so you know before we move on to the next thing i do have one more nintendo news that i just remembered Uh, go on spawn wave put out a thing i don't know if you would have heard this but that shigeru miyamoto tweet or quote the you know uh a delayed game is eventually good and a bad game is bad forever or a rush game is bad forever apparently he never even said that yeah no he didn't say that it's been this like super famous like quote of his for like ever. No, there was uh what is it? Snopes or Snoops or whatever it's called. They, they debunked that a long time ago. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. I just heard that this week. So I've been telling people and people are like, what? Yeah. No, no, I, I knew about that one. Well, John's smarter than me. Everybody imagine that John just keeps in on the news regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it spends way too much time on Twitter. Apparently. All right, so our next thing here is Sony is going to unveil PlayStation subscription as early as next week. This is from, is it Jason something? Dude, i got to get new glasses. This is Jason Schreier and Takashi uh, Mochizuki at Bloomberg. Yeah, I'm just going to have you read the next one because like, I can't see. Um, okay, so yeah, basically we talked about this before. Uh, we talked about the price points. Yeah, we talked about the price points a couple weeks ago. We discussed like what it's going to mean, what those tiers will have included. Uh, the highest tier being, according to this, and I think it was mentioned a couple weeks ago as well, the ability to, of course, extend a demo on games and then, of course, also stream as well. I think that was news to me was uh, streaming access for the Internet directly from your PlayStation, which mm-hmm. would be pretty interesting um, on the highest tier. I do kind of think that should be on all tiers to an extent. I mean, why 
why shouldn't you be able to stream on there? You know, your content. I mean, like, that should Sony. be the lowest point in because that's yeah. a way for people to get the service without needing to pay for anything additional. Well, I mean, streaming directly. I think it was streamed directly to internet, like sharing is what I recall reading on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check that. But, you know, I should probably do that now. Unless I, I must have misread it. But, yeah, so my thought would be if they don't have streaming uh, available for folks to just you know, directly stream online, that probably hurts Sony more than anything by forcing it to be in the higher tier, uh, predominantly because they're sharing those games. So yeah. let me see. Extend demos and the ability to stream games over the internet. It, it's not, yeah, I mean, streaming has a whole different meaning nowadays. Like yeah. it could be streaming directly as in kind of like your, your Google Stadia, or it could be streaming as in I'm going to stream on like Twitch. So it doesn't go into details on that. Um, well, I think that the like streaming to Twitch, that's like a whole different service thing. They're talking about, I mean, this is to rival Game Pass. So it's going to be yeah, talking yeah. about actual game yeah, streaming. I get it. So I do hope, though, that we have the ability to stream directly to things like Twitch. That'd be pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, but that said, um, you know, with the three tier system, I think it's a good approach for them to have the three tiers. Um, the one thing that I've uh, kind of garnered from this, though, in reading about it is the lack of like day one title releases. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Microsoft has that. And so Sony's not going to have that. Is it truly a rival to Microsoft? Like, yeah, you've got this great library of older titles and you're going to incorporate it for people to play it and, you know, have this service where people can like a game pass, do whatever they want with these older titles. But if you're not going to give me God of War Ragnarok within the first week, you know, but Microsoft is going to give me Senua or Hellblade, you know, within the first 24 hours, 48 hours. That seems to me like a better deal than waiting, you know, however long for new titles. Yeah. Um... And it's not like it's a third party where they have to get permission and do all that. Like this is their IP. So you're saying you can't release your own IPs within a certain period of time yeah. on this service? Well, and I mean, even more than that, going back and looking at like third party on, or what used to be first party on older titles, you know, I mean, a lot of those things aren't theirs anymore. Like they were huge with Crash and Spyro. They don't own those. You know, Final Fantasy was huge on PlayStation. They don't own those. No. Those are all things that they're going to be, you know, having to pay for additional licensing and getting those games on there. And people are going to expect a really well built in stable of games to have access to. And, you know, not everybody wants to do streaming. I mean, one of the things with Game Pass that's so nice is that you can just download the games onto the console and it's good to go. Um, you can't really do that for any PlayStation 3 game because they run on their own funky thing. And unless they've come out with some really good emulation to run those games on streaming's your only option. So that's a whole block of generation that only internet people have access to. And, you know, people are so stoked on PS five right now. And this kind of service is going to be something that, you know, they're going to be pushing a lot moving into PS5 because you're not going to see advertising for PS4, but this will be a great service for PS4 people or for anybody who maybe, you know, is interested in getting into gaming for this service and not necessarily the next generation. But there's a huge disparity between buying a discless PS5 and getting their version of Game Pass and buying an Xbox Series S and getting game pass like the value 
difference there is huge. Like buying that discless PS5 is way more expensive off the bat. And, you know, depending on what type of access you have, you know, I'm just inherently thinking Game Pass is going to be more worthwhile money-wise. No, but like, I agree with you. Saving that extra coinage is is huge. No, I, I mean, don't, people I, that want the disc-based system are the least likely in this day and age to want to engage with a system like this because they're the people that are still clinging to physical media. No, I agree with you. And then, you know, the other thing that kind of is in the back of my mind here, too, is the PS5 Pro and whenever that is released, because they're saying 2023, yeah. 2024, I think, potentially for that. So, like, I'm going to buy this, you know, PS5 and, you know, I want to because I want to play Elden Ring and other things. And I'll likely end up trading it in and getting a, a Pro or whatever they have down the road. But, uh, you know, it's just there's so many different options that Sony is kind of unveiling all at once. Mm-hmm. And not really for the better in a sense like microsoft is pretty cut and dry you get this very smaller end system that plays at 720 or whatever the graphics output is on that or i think it's 1080p um you're gonna get game pass it's gonna be a great time and that's all you're gonna get right whereas sony is just like here's this discless version of this you know behemoth console that's a hundred dollars more and oh by the way we don't have a service at this time that you're going to be able to do this with similar to microsoft so we're going to release this at their point in time and, you know, and then, oh, by the way, we're going to have three different tiers and here's going to be a new console coming out. And, oh, you have a disc version, but there's no service on that either. So you don't yeah. have flexibility there. And we don't have a huge library of games that's come out yet because, you know, it's just the pandemic and everything else occurring. So, you know, I, I kind of think that it, it's crazy that Sony has sold as much as it has, given that Microsoft has done everything right on their end, I feel, from yeah. the outside looking in uh, this generation so far. Like they've done a, a great job of offering an easier access to consumers at this point. Whereas I don't, I don't know that Sony has in my mind, they have a great library of games. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, I wonder how they do that library. Like people are going to want a big roster of stuff off the bat, but like for a service like this to be able to survive, you have to hold stuff back and release it later to keep, you know, that blood churning. So it's like, how long are we going to have to wait for certain things to come out? And I mean, People are going to expect, you know, all the Final Fantasies on there. But how many people are really going to be like, oh, I'm going to go back and actually play all those? Because I'm not going to go play Final Fantasy VII maybe ever again, except for the remake. Yeah. You know, and if I do ever go back and play it again, I mean, most likely I'll borrow your disc and play it on my little PS1. Like, there's no reason for me to go and play that on that service. That's for... People that have never played it before, basically. Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, Sony is going to have PS1, PS2, and PS3 games, and then PS4 games that they can put out immediately. So it's not like they don't have that library kind of chalked up. And that's what I think is a little more frustrating about it is like, what are they waiting for at this point? Like, you have a massive library of games. I mean, I know contracts and all that need to be done and you have to get rights to certain titles, but you have so many IPs over the years that you could just toss on this right now from classics all the way up to last gen, even current gen. But are you going to pay for all those licenses at once so that 20 people on launch day go and play whatever game from 1997 for a few hours? We're a year into Sony's console. Like this should already be out and these things should have already been thought of a long time ago. Game Pass is not Game Pass is from last gen. Yeah, Game Pass is not new. It's been here. So yeah. the fact well, that they've Sony's had PS far, now and PS Plus, and they just yeah. haven't been as def you know 
that's the thing. Like you've got PS Now and you got PlayStation Plus. Why are you waiting? Just yeah. merge them. Like that makes no sense to me that you're waiting this long to to get this service out. One thing that I think that this could also be good for is maybe VR. Like if you can get somebody to make the investment to purchase PSVR and then alleviate them having to purchase all of the games for it because a lot of that investment is like, you know, having the novelty of engaging with that game, but they're not always really long games. So a stable of PSVR games, I think would be a smart move in this service. I think so too. And Um, that would be a higher end one. You wouldn't need that as one of the lower end offerings because most of the lower end people probably aren't going to have the VR. That would be a good incentive for a tier. I would think so. Yeah. Well, uh, getting into incentives here, uh, Gran Turismo 7. What? This? Yeah. Yeah, Gran Turismo 7, an update from Polyphony Digital. Uh, Ryan, who wrote this one? Uh, This is from Kazunori Yamauchi. Okay, and this is officially from PlayStation. So he is the, um, I guess, the director for Gran Turismo 7 from Polyphony Digital and then he put this on the PlayStation blog. Yeah. So basically, they, they screwed up. They Ford. Uh, yeah. So if you go on, like, uh, what's it called? Metacritic right now. Gran Turismo 7 is being review bombed like crazy. It's like a 1.8 right now. Uh, it's not necessarily pay to play. But, you know, they did this last, the last Gran Turismo game, I understand. I haven't played Gran Turismo in so long. But... Uh, That demo disc for the PS1, baby. That was my best time with Gran Turismo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Credit-based system. So basically, you win races, you get credits. You win races online, you get credits. You complete things, you get credits. And you unlock your cars with credits. And you can purchase credits. So it's not necessarily... I guess it could be pay-to-win or pay-to-play. pay-to-win faster. Yeah, pay-to-win faster, right? So Reduce the grind. Basically, they're making it very grind-heavy. And people were not happy with how that turned out. And they let, you know, they let Polyphony and Sony know we're not happy with this. And so in response, they've issued a, uh, you know, an apology in a sense for screwing up this Gran Turismo 7 launch for a lot of people. They, you know, are sad that they disappointed them. And so what better way in, you know, today's society to make people happy than to give them 1 million Gran Turismo credits for free. So they have a bunch of updates that are coming out in April to kind of help out with the, you know, the pain points that people are having here. I'll just read them uh, the bullets here. So increased rewards in the events in the latter half of the world circuits by approximately 100% on average. That's scary that they're like 100% increase. That means it was super low to begin with, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I guess not really. It could be like 10% was a chance. And now by doing that, you get 20% chance. Uh, Addition of high rewards for clearing the circuit experience in all gold, all bronze results. Increase rewards in online races include a total of eight new one-hour endurance race events to missions. Uh, these will also have higher reward settings. Increase the upper limit of non-paid credits in player wallets from 20 million to 100 million credits. So it looks like you can only have a limit of a certain amount of credits, uh, which kind of sucks because you got to spend them, right? You can't save. Uh, increase the quantity of used and legend cars on an offer at any given time. So, uh, oh, and there's a few more. So they want to take the opportunity to lay out some near-term updates that they have. So increase in the payout value of limited time rewards as they develop a full live service. Further World Circuit event additions. Addition of endurance races to missions is on there for including 24-hour races. Additional or addition of online time trials and awards of rewards or awarding of rewards according to the player's difference 
with the top rank time and then make it so cars can be sold. So that's pretty cool. You can sell the cars. Well, that was a thing that they had advertised on, I think, the PlayStation Store page mm -hmm. in like one thing, but it's just not a feature in the game. And you can easily get like doubles of the same car from rewards and they just sit there and they don't do anything for you because right now you can't sell anything. Yeah. And they made the grind super hard. I mean, people to circumvent this, they came up with uh, like a code on your computer so you can stream play your PS5 or PS4 on your computer. So you could do that and then you can run this code on your computer so that all night long it'll just do the same race over and over and over again to get you money so that you can actually buy some fucking cars. Yeah. Because they came out with this BS excuse last week where they were like, oh, well, you know, we had to show the the real world difference between how valuable these cars are by making them super expensive in game. And it's like, it's so stupid of you to be like, we made this car simulation game so that it can be just as hard to drive these cars for your fun time. You got to work for it. Yeah. first. That's so like, dumb. like at the end of the day, it's like, man, I'm barely shelling out 60 bucks and driving a 1996 Honda Accord. And you're telling me I can only afford a 1996 Honda Accord in Gran Turismo. Yeah. Like it's, and that's not what I drive personally, but uh, you know, I got it. Like, there's people out there that are shelling out good hard-earned money to play this game and may not have a ton of money. It's a full and $70 it's in, game. It's insulting in a sense to be like, we just want to show the real-world simulation aspect. So like, now i got to bust my ass and be reminded of the fact that this car is however much money and I can't afford it in real life, let alone in a video game experience. Like, come on. And the payoff in car games, like in my mind, because I'm not a super big car guy, like you get the joy of like having that car. And if you play in third person, you can see that car while you're racing. But like realistically, once you get that new car, it doesn't change any aspect of the game. You're still doing the exact same thing. Just now with a skin that you like that maybe has slightly better stats. Like that's really the only difference. So, you know, to make it that hard to get there, it's not like, you're not all of a sudden changing the game up by unlocking that new thing. It's it's just always going to be more of the same. Like, I played six hours, maybe eight hours of Forza Horizon mm -hmm. 4. And I couldn't, like, go 20 minutes without tripping over a new car and rewards and stuff. And just having a great time. Like, yeah. the level of quality of these types of games is so competitive that I think this is such a huge stumbling block. Like, even if, you know, they're able to get all of this stuff done in the next month, you're going to have lost all of the casual people that would have only played this game for a month. There's tons of people out there that will pay $70 and only play a game for a month. I'm sure of it. Ryan's one of them, people. I'm one of them. Yeah. But, like, this is, this is supposed to be you know, one of those games that Sony putting its best foot forward and showing them why they're an amazing studio and getting greedy on something like this, you know, shows where they're willing to cut corners. Like they're, they'll put out for Horizon Forbidden West and they'll put out God of War. And obviously those games won't have like microtransactions and all that BS. But as soon as they can slip it in there, they're just like everybody else and their games quality doesn't override that. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that. There's tons of great games out there, and the fact that 
you know, people, it's, you know, I'm kind of happy about this too, because at the end of the day, people are looking at microtransactions in a negative aspect yeah. and really kind of letting their voice be heard that like, this is bullshit. Like we're sick of microtransactions and I, I'm happy that, that this is happening right now. Like it deserves to be a review bond. Yeah. You know, like people are fed up with it. It's, there's so many subscription services out there. There's so many things that have microtransactions involved. Like people are fed up. And I think so, that the decline and reaction to NFTs and how just like much pushback there's been against that yeah. has been successful. And I think it's maybe carrying its way over into this. Like I hardly hear people talk about loot boxes and stuff anymore. And it's not that they don't exist, but you know, people are getting smarter about it. Yeah. Or they're being sneakier. Like they're releasing games for review with no loot boxes. And then two weeks later, here's all the microtransactions and bullshit, you know, sneaking it in there so that you don't hear about it. They're just getting smarter. Well, and you know, a game that I, you know, Apex Legends has loot boxes in a sense as well, right? And you can buy those loot boxes and put money towards it if you want. But at the end of the day, that game is free, hundred um, percent, unless you want to put that money in there. And, and all you so, get is like cosmetic stuff. Yeah, like you, you find the guns in game. There's nothing that you can do outside of the round that's going to help you win the round. Exactly. Like you can buy characters, but you get credits through leveling up to buy characters. Mm-hmm. So there's never a point in time where I ever feel like, oh crap, like. You know, I'm not getting what I need to be able to buy this other character. Like, you just get this. And you're credits. never going to play every character. No, you're going to play exactly. the couple that you like to play. Exactly. There's like, just different ones for different people. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm happy that people are getting smarter about this. And hopefully it continues. So, uh, one thing we were not smart about is a game that we played. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, it's actually pretty good. We played uh, War Gods today. So, it's uh, by Midway Games and Eurocom as a developer. It was published by Midway Games. Uh, and then team leads for this game were Joe Lindhoff Lindhoff. and George Petro. Thank you. Uh, released in May of 1997. It is a fighting game. Funny enough, I had no idea what this game was about. Just looking at it. I always thought it was spaceships for some reason. I remember always seeing the cover of it and it always reminded me of like Starcraft for some reason. Same Starcraft or like, uh, or, um, Star Fox. Every time I saw war gods, like that's what I thought it was. Uh, reception was between a four and a five on average for this yeah. game. Five would be generous. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would say it's better than a four or five. I mean, the time that we had with this game, we played every single different character. I mean, the movements are interesting, right? It's it's great value Mortal Kombat yeah. is what it kind of comes down to. And I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. It was funny like because playing Mortal Kombat so many times over the years, and it's like, choose your character and yeah. you choose your character but then it's chosen like, yeah it's like chosen and then instead of fight it's like begin like, yeah what and so but it's got this weird mix it kind of feels like because you have the combo aspect that comes up with like of like killer instinct and then you've got the fatalities and the blood and everything else that's tied to foreground and background movement which was like a tekken thing right or yeah virtual like, well, fighter well i think they did that with uh the n64 mortal Kombat as well but mm. um yeah so it was, it was an experience, man. I like, you know, the different characters being able, like one of the characters that, that was had confusing. Rocks. What? So, the name of the game is War Gods, and it's got like Anubis, and it's got like this uh, Viking warrior woman, and it's got this big stone Aztec golem thing, and then it's got like some cyber guy and. 
some commando dude. Well, that guy's the war god of America. So, <laughs> But they're like, some of these are gods and some of these are just like some lady named Pagan. Like she's the god of pagans or something, I guess. There was one guy named Voodoo. <laughs> yeah, the Voodoo guy. So yeah. it's like there were some like religious or, you know, god entities in here. And some of them were just like, I don't know, throw a cyborg in there. <laughs> They, they they probably got through. They were going to call this thing War Gods. They finished all of their marketing materials. They got all of the cartridges printed. They're still in development. And in the process of development, we're like, hey, we ran out of War Gods, so what do we do? That like, green dude that's on the cover, I don't even know that he was on the menu. Maybe he's he like was. A, he was a rock guy, I think. Oh, was yeah, he? Yeah, I played with oh, him. okay. Yeah, so he was the one that threw the rocks and had like a spiky Spike thing that head, pierced yeah. you. Yeah. So, you know, look, there was a number of characters on there that were fun to play with. I had a good time. Uh, you know, I beat you multiple times, which was great. John always wins fighting I games. I always win fighting games with him, yeah. So I should have used more of the Anubis crotch pyramid. Oh, my God. That was the greatest thing ever. So, yeah, Anubis has basically a, a triangle pyramid that wraps the around. A stasis locks, field. <laughs> yeah, it locks your opponent in place, and they just sit there, and you're like, all right, I can just go ahead and uppercut here and do a bunch of damage, crotch triangle again, and do it again. So, and then he has like his, his uh, glaive that he pulls out and like shoots out balls of energy with like super cool stuff. Like I thought it was pretty interesting. And then we played on like very hard as well in the arcade mode to kind of see where a good computer could kick our ass and what it would do. And uh, I played he did against, some impressive moves. Yeah. He did like a 12 hit combo on me. Like I was hoping for a fatality, but he didn't do it. Um, I think I played against voodoo that round. It was cool. Like he was shooting nails from up in the ceiling and dropping me down with them. And uh, at some point, like hit me in the face with some, I don't know, some sort of energy that blinded my character to where I couldn't do anything. Like it was interesting. And so I would say if you, you know, don't have the money, like going into brass tacks here, if you don't have the money for like full blown Mortal Kombat 64, this is a great pickup. I think if you want to get that fighting game experience in there and with a very similar feel of combat, because it is midway at the end of the day, it did this. So uh complete in box copy right now is running 4368. It peaked at 5279 in February of this year. It's trending down maybe to a sub 40 level at this point, given, you know, the, the rate of drop, uh, a loose copy is running at 1099. Uh, that is actually in its peak right now, and it's continuing to go up. It looks like, you know, dude, at 1099, we'll just say $11, of course, for this game. I think this is, you know, deflated. I, I think it's actually worth a good like 12, 15 bucks if you found it. Like, it's not. You're not going to be disappointed. Like, it's if you go into this thinking this is great value Mortal Kombat and I'm buying a fighting game that I could play with my buddies. This isn't bad at all. It's actually pretty good. I'm surprised. What's I don't get the deal with the four out of five reception. I guess people were comparing it to like Mortal Kombat and stuff. I don't know. I, I didn't realize there was much fighting games on N64. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the fighting game console to me other than like smash. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, it was fine. I think 11 bucks is fair. Like, I don't want to all of a sudden just start throwing out, you know, it's worth it just because it's not that expensive. Like, I definitely, I don't know. And you were playing on a different controller, too. You were playing on the, what's it called? Oh, the Brawler 64. The Brawler yep. 64. So it's like, I, I'm not sure if it was your joystick on that controller, but I couldn't do anything with the joystick. So I was using the D-pad. Yeah. And the N64 doesn't have the greatest D-pad for me. I just, uh, 
I'm not great at fighting games, so it might just be me too. I, I think that this is maybe just right. Well, um, you did say eleven dollars, and it's ten ninety nine. So by def- definition, that's uh, deflated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so by a penny. I mean, look, I I don't want to you know say just because it's cheap, it should be worth more. I genuinely think that if you saw this game for like twelve or fifteen bucks sitting in front of you, a nice pristine cartridge, kind of just chilling there, it's worth it. It's worth picking up. It's not, you know, why, if you see that at $15, are you going to pass it up because you could potentially get it on eBay for 12 bucks? I'll give you this, John. As far as fully complete in box copies of N64 games go, $43 is... Is pretty good. That's actually not bad, actually. So I'm going to say this game is a good deal. If you are going for the complete inbox collection of all N64 games, this will be one of the ones that doesn't break the bank. And you can be thankful for that. Okay, so we're going to say deflated overall because i'm on in it from a the, certain way i'm on it from the loose aspect you're on it from the complete inbox aspect that it's deflated in that regard so i think we're de- we're we're deflated on this one all right yeah okay okay um we gotta think of a new name for that too <laughs> deflated because it could be negative uh a d oh okay it's like slowly populating on the screen right now do you see it there it goes all the way ryan's updating on his phone and i got the screen <laughs> open on the other end uh but yeah dude so any other thoughts on this? I, I thought it was great. I thought the uh, I thought the mechanics were pretty good. I, I thought the music was pretty fun. It's got some decent artwork. It, it I think it's feel... an interesting roster. Yeah, that's I, I think that there was um definitely if we had done some more and seen like all the moves, like most of the like special moves were pretty cool and pretty fitting for the character, like the voodoo guy would like freak you out with a bat and drop nails on the ceiling. Uh Warhead shot missiles, laser or cyborg guy shot a laser. The Valkyrie girl could like throw an axe across the screen. Like they all had pretty interesting moves. Um, game looked good. I I don't know the controls were whatever. I I still don't think this is a great game, but it was um it was something. Look for fighting games. Uh, you know, a lot of comparisons always come out as. How does it compare to Tekken? How does it compare to Soul Calibur? How does it compare to Mortal Kombat? Uh, and I think I'm missing one there. Uh, Street Fighter, right? Like those are the ones that are always, how does it compare to that, right? I mean, when it I compares look, to Mortal Kombat. It does. <laughs> but when I look at it, you know, I see it as it's not a bad game. Like there are fighting games out there that are absolutely horrid. I wonder I think if the arcade version of this is better. I mean, maybe. I would love to play the arcade Because it was version. like a port. Yeah, I would love to play an arcade version of this. Um, yeah, I mean, you're everybody's always going to compare it to like the top tier fighting games, any fighting game out there. I mean, I've got we got to play. Um, there was no War Gods two, I don't believe. I don't believe so. I mean, this is the only instance I know of War Gods. So one game I want to play a few at some point because we played a few fighting games in the past. There's one that has like teddy bears in the front. I don't. I think it's like fur brawlers or something. I don't remember, but mm. like that apparently is not a very good uh, fighting game. And so when you start looking at, you know, the, the different fighting games that are out there that are just hot garbage and then things like this that kind of slip through the cracks, I think this is one that received a ton of poor feedback because it was being so heavily compared to a Mortal Kombat and not taken as its own thing, um, even though it does pretty much feel like Mortal Kombat. So, all right. Well, uh, I don't have anything else in this. Sounds like you didn't have anything else outside of what you just said. So... 
we are going to be, I don't know what we're going to do next week. We'll, uh, maybe we'll play that other fighting game Super Nintendo I was telling you about. Just Sounds now. good. Yeah, we'll, we'll look, see what we got. Um, but this has been episode 176 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.